Good morning. Can he build it? Yes, he can. How many wrestling fans we got out here? Any wrestling fans? Hey, hacksaw. Nobody gets that. All right, we're going to get to this in a minute, but uh, you guys are going to be thinking about this the whole time, but we're going to get to this in just a, here in just a minute. How many of y'all glad you're here this morning? All right. Hey, my name is Troy. If you don't know me, I'm the campus pastor here, and I'm excited to be bringing the message, share God's word with you this morning. And so it always seems like every time I get ready to preach, like everything goes wrong. Like we were having uh, commode problems and then certain people said they weren't going to be here. And I'm telling you, there, there's a lot. So when your preacher stands up here on, on Sundays, uh, y'all pray for me because I'm the one that takes care of all that stuff when he's preaching. So I'm, I'm kind of liking this now because I had to ask some guys to help me out because usually I'm the one over there trying to plunge the commode out. Uh, raise your hand if you know how to use a plunger. All right. I will be looking you up a few Sundays throughout the year now that I've pinpointed people that can wield a plunger the ones that didn't raise your hand you're pretty smart I'm gonna go ahead and give you that uh, it's pretty easy it's pretty much this action in case you're wondering all right we're gonna do something real quick we're fixing to pray if you've heard me preach before this is something I always do I'm gonna pray for you I want you to pray for me and we're just gonna ask God to to do something amazing today because it's not about me it's not about you it's about him and so I want him to receive all the glory from today from everything that's said uh, and what we do here, and that you will leave here and take what's said, and I hope it applies to your life, or that you can take it and use it to help somebody in theirs. And so let's pray and ask God to uh, help us out today. Uh, Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Father, right now I pray for every person in this room. God, even the ones who have been a believer their whole life, ones who are here that have not been a believer very long, and Father, for those who may be here that do not know you, God, I pray for them. I pray that your word will penetrate, not only that they will hear it, God, but they will take it into their heart and not, not just hear it, but be doers of what you say. Father, we give this service to you. In Christ's name, amen. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up in Acts. Acts chapter 6. And we're going to discuss a guy by the name of Stephen. And, and something tragic happens to Stephen, and we're, we're fixing to read that in the Scripture, but I, I, we're leading up to something, and I want you guys to kind of put this on the back burner. You've seen the, the two-by-four, you've seen the hammer, and, and, and we're fixing to read a story, and we're going to take something, kind of we're going to shift some stuff around. And when I get through with this story, I want you guys, while I'm reading this, I want you to think about the past and our past and things that we did in our past, whether they be bad, whether they be good. I want you guys to kind of just be thinking about things like, what, what would I have done different? And, and so we, we all have a past, whether good or bad. But I want you to think about your past. And then I want you to think about, man, what are ways that I can get past my past? Because a lot of times, some of us, we can't let go of it. We just keep hanging on to it as long as we can. And, and, and it's, like a, it's like a bad cold that just won't go away and it keeps coming back year after year after year after year. And so I want you to think about that. Chapter 6, verse 8 through 15, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. 
Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the uh, Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Sicilia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom that the Spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy spirit holy place and the law for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us and gazing at him all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel So here is Stephen, a man who is preaching God's word, and those who were against his type of preaching because he was preaching about a Jesus that was here, that they were still waiting on the Messiah because the Jewish people at the time, they didn't know Jesus was coming. They were still waiting on him. They didn't know he was already here. And so the people that followed Jesus and Jesus himself, the reason he was taken to the cross and crucified is because they viewed him as blasphemous because he was calling himself God. And so Stephen is preaching and he's teaching and then what happens is people can't handle the truth sometimes. People can't handle the truth and so what happens is they start planning a way to have Stephen killed. Now, here's the thing. If you speak blasphemous in that time against Jewish leaders, the Jewish law, the synagogues, and things of that nature, that is punishable by death. And so the fact that they had to go in and maneuver their way around, because here's the thing, they couldn't lick him in the debate. Have you ever debated somebody and you... And you, you, you think you're just doing so good and you realize that they own you in a debate? Have you ever been in a debate about something and you've been wrong? Wow. One person's like, yeah, I've been wrong. Uh, it pretty much happens any time I get an argument with my wife. <laughs> I'm wrong every time. Yeah, see, listen, guys, happy wife, happy life. Here's the thing. Honey, you were right, I was wrong. Even if she was wrong. I promise she would help you out in life. Am I right, baby? I'm getting an evil eye. She's saying, no, that's not right. She said, I've never said that. Okay. And so Stephen is licking them in this debate, but I, I want you to catch something at the very end of this. It says, And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. What does that say about the state of the heart of the people that are talking to him if they still want to crucify him and they look at his face and it's like the face of an angel? Does, does that, his face looks like the face of an angel. Let's kill him. Does that, does that even make sense? Is that even logic? And so we see Stephen who, who is full of grace and power and they could not withstand the wisdom. Now, was it his wisdom? No, it was the wisdom of Christ. It was the wisdom of God. It was God who was propelling him forward. It was God who had, who was giving him this message. It was God who had put him in the place where he needed to be. It was God that allowed him to be above and everybody in this debate and this conversation that's happening. And because they could not handle it, they killed Stephen. If you move ahead to Acts 7, 54 through 60, 
They bring him before the council. I'm not going to read Stephen's speech. I, get, I, I want to tell you, when you get home, go back uh, to chapter 7, verse 1, and read Stephen's speech. So this is a speech that Stephen gives before they stone him. And so I'm guessing as he gave this speech, it just enraged them more and more. But chapter 7, verse 54, it says this. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Have you ever ground your teeth mad? You got kids, you've done this before. You've ground your teeth to the point where like, you feel like you need a mouthpiece just to have a conversation with them. So they're enraged. How many of you have ever been enraged? My brother will understand this. When I was a kid, uh, we had the Nintendo. Now, if you don't know anything about the first Nintendo, those controllers were made of titanium. You could bounce them off anything you wanted and they would survive. And so my brother and them gave me the nickname Congo when we were little because I would get so mad playing a video game where if I got beat that I would just throw it as hard as I could off of my dresser. And so there were literally like notches knocked out of my dresser where I had thrown this controller because I was so enraged. Now I think about it now, I was like, that's pretty dumb. I was so enraged at this video game it changes when you become an adult. You become a ray enraged when you go to like the Kroger parking lot. It's different things. And, and so I'm enraged at this controller and I'm just, I, I would destroy it. And I'm sitting there going like, they're so mad at Stephen that they're enraged. It's like a blind rage. And there's nothing worse than a blind rage because all logic and all thinking go out the window when you're that angry and when you're that enraged. All logic disappears. It says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. They're reacting like children. They, if you ever try to tell your kids something embarrassing, my kids hate to see me and my wife kiss. They hate it. They're like, oh. And, we're, and so like we'll kiss in front of them as much as we can. They're like, oh my gosh, stop it. And so they're acting like children. Stephen has given this amazing speech and they, they, they stop him. He's even talking about seeing Jesus at the right hand of God. And this, to them, it's blasphemous because it's all they've ever known. And so they cover their ears. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Remember that. That's who we're coming back to about our past. Comes back to, they laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they were stoning Stephen. He called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here is a man looking in the face of pure anger and hate. And he's calm. And he cries out to God and says, God, don't hold this against them. And a young man named Saul, who would later become Paul, we're going to talk about, was standing there with people's coats at his feet 
watching this man be stoned. So what does that tell us? What does that tell us about, about Saul? Was he standing there in shock and like, I can't believe this is happening? Or he felt bad? We don't know what Saul was thinking, but we do know what happens in the next verses. In chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, it says, And Saul approved of this execution. Now, let me, let me line this up for you. Saul is Paul, if you're, if you're new to Christianity. If you've ever heard about Paul, the Apostle Paul... Paul was Saul before Jesus interacted and got a hold of his life. And so, the Paul we know is the one that took the word of Christ around the globe. The Paul we know is the reason that we're in a church like we are today because of his, his push of planning and starting churches and overseeing churches and then training people, other people up to go out to do the same thing. And so the reason we have what we have today is because of this man, Paul. But it says, and Saul approved of this execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen... And made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, I want you to imagine that today. Paul's mission after watching watching a man be executed because of his beliefs... He started a mission to go to every home. Could you imagine today sitting in your home? Maybe you're even having a Bible study with your kids or, or, or maybe you're praying together as a family and someone comes into your home and drags you out and takes you to prison because of what you believe in? We can't imagine that today. We see it happen in other countries, but we can't imagine that here. We can't imagine someone coming in and not liking what we say or what we believe. The thing about Saul was Saul was very well trained. Saul was, like when, when Jesus came and interacted with Saul, it wasn't like he was like me, like when God saved me, I was pretty much, I was an idiot. I didn't know much about the Bible other than what little Sunday school I had. And, and even now, sometimes I feel inadequate. But I wasn't like Saul who was trained under Gamaliel, who was, at the time, was like considered like the doctorate of the Jewish faith. Like he was the guy. If you were trained under him, you were trained under somebody who knew something. And the crazy thing about Gamaliel is he even warned the disciples. He was like, he tried to put them out of the city. If you go back in another, another passage of scripture, he tries to put the disciples out and said, hey, you don't want to do this. Is basically what he was telling them. You don't want to do what you're about to do because what's going to happen is what's going to happen like what happens to Stephen. And that takes boldness to stand in the front of people that you know may take your life to proclaim the message of who Jesus is. Now, Paul can't feel bad for a past until he moves to a different place in his life to where he looks at his past differently. Because here's what I've noticed. Even people who are living in sin or people who have committed sins in their life, even when they look back at what happened in their life, they may feel a little remorse, but they're still in sin, so it's like not as bad to them because there's nothing's really changed in their life. So their life now is pretty much like their life was in their sin. 
And, and so there's not, much of this, there's not much of this change. But what happens to Saul? Saul finally goes to his leaders. He's, he's wanting to go to Damascus to deliver a letter. And, and he's just in this trying to pers- still persecute Jews and go after them. Or, or, or Christians. Or the way the Bible puts it, people of the way. And so he starts walking and Jesus encounters him, blinds him. Tells him, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who is this, Lord? And he's like, no, this is, this is Jesus. And Saul at that moment, in his time of meeting Christ, becomes Paul. Now, if you've ever experienced Christ, the day that I asked Christ into my heart, I was 10 years old, I didn't have a whole lot of sin to view back on and go, you know, my life as a pencil thief in third grade was pretty rough. You know, I I didn't have a lot to draw from. When I became 18 or 19 years old, I was still a believer, but God started revealing me to the things of what sin is. And so that sin in my life, now when I look back on my past, I, I feel remorse for the things that happened in my past. We all right now have things in our past that we, right now if we were to open up and put them on the screen and show everybody's past, how many of y'all are leaving? I'm, I'm going to be first. I'm like, I'm out, people. Y'all enjoy it. Call me, tell me what you thought about what happened to me in the past. Our past, I, I looked back and, and there was a remorse because there was a change in me where God was revealing things to me. And so when Saul became Paul, it's a word called justification. Now what justification means is this. Justification is Jesus God declares you righteous. Justification is, even though I am not righteous, even if you think you are, even if you think you're as righteous as you could be, your righteousness is filthy rags compared to God. And so what justification is, is it's God saying, Troy, I declare you righteous. And it's, a, it's an outward thing where he says, you are righteous. And, 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 I, and it only happens once. He can only declare you righteous once because it's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness that makes you righteous. And so it only happens once. And so at our point of salvation, we ask Christ into our heart, he declares us righteous. In Romans 5, 1 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, this is not on the screen, by the way, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have been justified with God through Christ, and that is your salvation. And in the midst of our salvation is our justification and and the righteousness that we have, and that's what happened to Paul. It's God said, even though you are a murderous hater of Christians... I declare you righteous. Now, we can't say what Paul was thinking. We can't get inside Paul's head. But what we can know is in our own lives, once we've made a change for something good, the past may haunt us. We've all been haunted by something we've said or something we've did in our past. Philippians chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn over there. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12, 12 and 13. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, 
because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. So you may be asking, you may be saying, well, I can't get my past out of my mind. Paul's saying it. He, he even, he's basically taking everything and narrowing it down to one thing. And he's saying, this one thing is, don't worry about what's behind you. Keep going forward. Because if you keep thinking about the past or keep looking back, you can't watch where you're going. We have justification. That is, Jesus tells us that he comes in and declares us righteous. And then there's sanctification. What sanctification is, is sanctification is this. Every day I live my life, I'm trying to get better. Every day I'm trying to be more Christ-like in my life. It's a daily thing and it happens daily. Justification happens once. God declares you righteous once. He saves you once. Sanctification is daily. That is where we have to get up every day and we have to move forward and strive for holiness. Now God makes us holy, God makes us righteous, but he tells us that we have to keep moving forward in these things. Christ-likeness. There are three things that you guys are going to realize in life is we can't change our past. We can't. It doesn't matter how bad you want to, you can't change your past. I heard a guy say one time, he said, hey, the way he's always looked at it is Jesus forgives, but people don't forget. It's like this two by four. Healthy, sturdy, two by four. And so you make a decision in your life. A very bright hammer in it, isn't it? So we don't lose it. So you make a decision in your life, and, and it may be a good decision. Get married, find the right job. That's a good decision you have in your life. But this becomes your past eventually. Or you may make a bad decision. I'm not a carpenter, by the way. And, and, and then you make a bad decision in your life. It, it could be anything, any, any number of sin. Just You guys know the sin you have in your life. Just think of that one thing. And, and you, we make those decisions in our lives. Here's what Jesus does through justification. Jesus comes in and he says, even though this sin in your past, this past is a good past, but if we keep thinking about the good old days and we never look forward to what's happening before us, how many old people like that just keep talking about the good old days? I mean, it's good to look back, but eventually it's like, hey, we got to... We've got to move forward. You know, my wife used to say this all the time. It was like, whenever this style of church popped up, they were, not to knock other churches because that's not what we're about, but you know, there were people who'd be like, well, I just don't understand why you're doing what you're doing what you're doing. And my wife always says, like, you know, I don't ever go to the doctor and say, uh, hey, listen, I want you to do surgery like you did in the 1930s. So somebody breaks out a rusty saw, gives you a shot of whiskey, and puts a stick in your mouth. We have to keep moving forward and not just even the good old glory days. But what God does is God comes and he's like, hey, your past is your past. 
Your past is your past. And then even the sin in your life, you know, that's gone. Now, even though it's gone, I want you guys to realize this. I should have got bigger nails. There are still two holes in this two by four. We need to throw it out. It's not good anymore. This thing ain't going to work. It's got two nail holes in it. Is that true? Here's, here's what Jesus does through our sanctification. Now look, we could, we could take putty, we could fill these nail holes in, we could paint it up, cover it, sand it down, get it to where it looks like nothing's there, but is that hole technically still there? Did it happen? It's not like it didn't happen, it did. And what happens in our lives sometimes is we go, you, and mentally we can't say, it's like we can't get away from our sin, and we go, I just don't feel like I can get away from my sin, I just don't feel like I can get past but just realize this, if you can just go, hey, I can't change the past. I can't change it. But what, what I can do is not look back and move forward where God's leading me to go. And if we're willing to do that, then what happens is that's the process of sanctification. I'm going to read it one more time. It says, not that I have already obtained this or am, or am already perfect. I love this. That I haven't, I'm not there. I have, I'm not perfect. I haven't achieved this. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. The one thing that I do. Forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I want you to focus on that word straining for a second. If you're moving away from your past, that means that straining is a struggle, okay? Straining is something that if you're pulling something or you're trying to move forward, that means your past is there. It's, it's straining, but that sanctification is daily becoming like Christ. If I read the rest of this down to... 17 it says 14 it says i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus so we've got justification that is god outwardly declaring you righteous we have sanctification this is where we put what is behind us behind us and we move forward to where god is going and then the last one is is justification i mean uh, glorification now what that says in verse 14 what it's saying is it says uh for the prize of the upward goal or upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's your end goal result is death. When we stand before God, and that's when God goes, my work is done, you are perfect, you are sinless. We are sinless and complete in glorification. And those are the three things in our Christian faith and our Christian walk, is we want to be righteous, we want to walk in holiness and be Christ-like, and then we want to meet that final goal where we stand before Jesus, we stand before God, and we are complete in our glorification. And that's powerful. If you continue to go on down, it says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And then in verse 17 it says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul knew 
that you had to get away from your past. Paul knew that through sanctification is how that happens. And that is daily becoming Christ-like. And in verse 17, he even says, Have this mind among yourselves. That's the wrong scripture. Brothers, join me, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example. Be, wanting, be striving and straining every day to be Christ-like so when people look at you, they know that something's different like they looked at Stephen. Because something was different about Stephen that they even said his face shone like an angel. And so our Savior, our God who justifies us, who shows us how we can be sanctified, and then eventually glorification. You know, the great thing about our past is we can, we can learn from it. I remember as a kid touching a hot stove. You learn from that. I remember my brother when we were little had a pair of scissors with a little plastic handle and one of the prongs broke off the electric socket and so him and all his they say he's the smartest person in our family I'm not convinced yet and he tries to get this prong out with his pair of scissors and I remember a big spark and the scissors going flying across the room and they melted into the carpet try explaining that to your parents I just left I'm like good luck buddy We can learn from our past. Romans 7. through 20. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. That's why it is so important that we imitate Christ and Christ's likeness through sanctification. Doesn't mean we're not going to mess up, because Paul, Paul's even saying here, he, he, he messes up. Sometimes I do the things I, I, I don't want to do, but he's, here's the difference. He's aware of that. If you're doing the things you know you shouldn't, or, or you're doing things and you're not even aware of it, there there's, lies the issue. Because the Holy Spirit that dwells within us as we strive and we strain for Christ's likeness. That's troubling if you don't have that moral compass. Last is the last thing we're going to close is we can move beyond our past. We, we, we can move beyond it. We move beyond it by finding other things to focus on other than our past because if we're always looking at our past, we're not looking at where Christ is wanting. We should hunger for. I found some scripture in First Peter chapter 2, uh, 1 through 3. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. This is great. 
I used to think that meant, oh, spirit, you know, the spiritual milk. That means, oh, that's talking about babies. It means to have such a desire that you long for this milk. My, my oldest daughter, Robbie was nursing, and, and it was like two nights, or maybe it was like a night and a half or something like that. She just cried. Not, we couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. She was feeding her, and it, we started. So the second night, she was just could not console her. And I was like, we've got to go to the emergency room. So we load up, we go to, let me rephrase that. My wife says, we have to go to the emergency room. I'm like, oh, she's all right. Because um, that's the way I think. But anyway, we get to the emergency room, and we go in, and it's me and Robbie, and then uh, this is, you know, first baby for us, so all my family's there. So it's like a family reunion, you know, aunts, uncles, grand. I'm just kidding, there weren't that many people, but felt like it. So my mom and my sister come in, and my sister goes, I wonder if she's hungry. And Robbie goes, I've, I've, I've been nursing, I've We've been feeding her. So my sister goes out and she gets a bottle, puts some formula in it, shakes it up, gives it to Madeline. And she was like, it was, I mean, it was like a shot. She was like, it was gone. And she was just, and if you even tried to pull it away, she was just like grabbing it back down. And that's what that means for us in becoming Christ-like and moving past. If we're seeking after God in that kind of way of desiring it, wanting it in that way, then what happens is we're not focused on our past. No matter how bad you think your past is, it is never bad enough that Jesus cannot deem and declare you righteous. Seek. God's word and his Christ likeness and what happens is you can move beyond your past. Last scripture and I'm going to pray. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold the new has come. You, as a believer, are a new creation. The great thing about having Christ when we mess up and we sin is we have a Savior that can forgive us and we have a Savior that if we start looking towards Him, we could put our past and our sins in our rearview mirror. That's my prayer for you. So you may be here and you go, Troy, I just don't really, you know... I, I, I don't really get what, I mean, you don't realize what I did. You don't, you don't realize how bad what I did in my past was. Or you may even be, you don't even know what I did. Something just hit me. <laughs> this happens sometimes when you preach. Even if you do, like, what I just did is in the past. The sin you just did this morning or yesterday or in your thought process during this sermon. That's in your past. And if we, if we keep going back and turning around and, and, and trying to, to worry about what people will think about our past, and we've all got family members that will bring up our past, and they'll go, oh, I knew you when you were this. You know the best way to handle that? I was like, well, hey, Jesus knew that too, and he still declared me righteous. Don't let those in your past or that want to hold you to your past, keep you from moving forward toward the future that God's got for you. Justification. God declares you righteous. 
sanctification, we daily seek and go for God to be Christ-like. All for the end goal of glorification, which is one day we're going to stand before our God, made perfect and holy to be forever with Him in eternity. And that's awesome. If we can just get through this world and follow Jesus, the past means nothing in heaven. Because there is no time. Father God, I pray for those who are here that do not know you. That God, maybe today their past is what's kept them because they maybe don't feel like you would love them because of their past. God, you take our unrighteousness and you make it righteous. You take our sin, dirty sin, and God, you make it clean. You wash it away. Father, I want those who are in this room that need you to know that, God, you love them and you want them and you desire them. God, for those who are here that know you and maybe their past has kept them from moving forward, I pray that you will allow them to turn away, to strain and to fight and to pull for the end goal of one day standing before you perfect and blameless because of who you are. God, I pray for those. Father, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with me for a minute. And I want to pray as we get ready to go into worship. And if you feel like you need to talk to somebody, I'm going to be in the foyer. As soon as uh, I walk off, I'm going to go out to the foyer, and if you just need to talk to somebody, I'm going to be out there. Or maybe you just need to pray and ask God into your heart and say, hey, this is, this, is, this is what God's telling me today. God is telling me that I'm not defined by my past. I'm only defined by who he is. And so that's my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray. God, as we get ready to sing, Father, as we get ready to uh, lift you up, God, as we get ready to just realize that our past does not define us, that we're moving forward, God, I pray that you receive all the glory from it. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.